please stand for the reading of scripture. Tonight's reading is Genesis 25, and we'll start in verse 19. It's uh, page 17 in your softbound pew Bible. Jacob and Esau. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. We're going to pray for the kids as they head out. Father Jesus, we just thank you for our children, and we pray that you remind us who stay up here that we are to be like them. Uh, I pray that you help us to guide them, um, and I pray that you help them to grow in you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Two things before I begin. I am not Chris, and you can't have your money back. So. Um, I'm really privileged to get to share God's word for you today. It's actually one of the great passions I have. I really like preaching, so whenever I get to do it, I'm really happy. I don't know how you feel. I know when I sit where you are, I feel gypped if I don't get to hear Chris preach because he's one of my favorite preachers. So enjoy. I believe that God has a word for us. Let me just say a quick word of prayer and then I will begin. God, let my words be pleasing to you. May they drip with the good news that you have for us today. Amen. So, Jacob and Esau, 
This is where we meet them. So I find this is kind of a really interesting thing. That I'm here. Chris actually went downstairs with the kids because he's talking to them about what it means to come to faith, to experience God for yourself. There's this saying that we have, sometimes you hear it in church, where they say, God has no grandchildren. Or more provocatively, the church is always one generation away from extinction. Yeah. The idea behind both is that I couldn't, you couldn't, our kids can't live off of our faith or the faith of our parents. They need to experience Jesus for themselves. They need an encounter with God. And so Chris is downstairs. He's sharing with them the Zacchaeus story uh, where you know Zacchaeus meets Jesus and he's transformed by that encounter. And we want to lead our kids into an encounter with Jesus. And that we care a lot about that at this church. That's why we have such a wonderful children's director. She's really delightful. I like her a lot. Um, and so many of you are involved with the children's program uh, downstairs in nursery and teaching Sunday school and assisting. It's because we care about passing on the faith. Because without it, the church is no more. These are the future of the church. And when we look at this story, when we get back to Genesis, we see kind of the same dynamic here. I mean, we started walking with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where he left the house of his father and went to the land that God would show him. And along the way, him and Sarah, just two barren nomads, dreaming of land and legacy that God promised that they would have, that he would make them into a great nation, as, m as many as the hair on my head, or his head, somebody's head. And we've seen him make steps and missteps along the way. We've seen his growing confidence in God. So that the old Abraham trusts uh, God to lead his servant to Rebecca, the, the, who would be the, the, the wife of his son and the mother of his grandchildren. And he's confident that God is at work. And now we're at this point in the story where Abraham is dead. people of God is always one generation away from extinction. God has no grandchildren. If the covenant is to come to fruition, if the promises of God are going to happen, Abraham's kids and descendants need to learn how to walk with God for themselves. And so here we are. Our passage begins with this These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's sons. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. And here we are, 40-year-old Isaac. And he is carrying on 
where Abraham left off. Now, we don't know a lot about Isaac. I call him kind of the silent partner in the patriarchs. You know, we hear a lot about Abraham. We hear even more about Jacob when he's on the scene. Isaac, not so much. We'll hear a little more next chapter. But he's sort of, he's usually kind of a passive character. It's either Abraham is kind of controlling him or Rebecca's controlling him. He doesn't really do a lot. But in this passage... He is our prime example of what it means to hold on in faith. If you remember, Isaac was the child of promise. He was the one that was going to be the father of the great nation through, from Abraham through his sons. He's the one that was blessed by God. And then he gets married to the woman of good stock that God led his servant to and she's barren and here we are it's a point of crisis how is the covenant gonna come on well we are told here that Isaac prayed for his wife and she became pregnant now when it says that Isaac prayed for his wife it's not like the way I pray when I lose my keys in the morning or when I need a parking lot, a parking spot at the mall. This is fervent, tenacious prayer. This is prayer over years. If you jump ahead to verse 26 of this passage, we find out that Isaac was 60 years old when, the, when his twins were born. 60 years old. That means he prayed for his wife for 20 years while she was barren. Knowing that God had promised that he would bring about a blessing through him and his descendants. Wondering when this is going to happen. And kept on praying. That's 20 years of self-doubt. Did we hear God? Am I really the child of promise? That's 20 years of wondering, did we understand what God was doing? 20 years of praying fervently, and God answered, and Rebecca became pregnant. This is an amazing story. Don't, don't skip over that. I mean... We've heard a lot of Sarah's struggle and Abraham's struggle with the same issue, with barrenness. And that's probably what gives Isaac the confidence to pray for that long and wait for God to answer. Abraham and Sarah were barren for 25 years after God promised. Isaac was barren for, um, Rebecca was barren for 20. That is a long time. I don't know about you, but what does it look like for you to hold on to what God has promised you? Um, you know, some of you know Sarah and I, we went to Regent. I feel called to full-time ministry. For whatever reason, God has me on call waiting. I'm, in a, I'm on hold here, and I don't know what the next step is. But for me to walk in faith, 
is to wait and be patient and know that God will bring about what he's called to, called me to. What are you trusting God for? Are there non-Christian friends or family members that you're praying for that you really want them to know Jesus and it doesn't seem like they're getting through? Isaac prayed for 20 years to see God's promise. Maybe there's some circumstances that are weighing on you and you don't know how to handle it. Be confident that if God promised, God is faithful and God is good. And no matter how dark, how hard these circumstances look, if God promised it, it will come to pass. It's a, that's a beautiful word. I could stop the sermon right there, but that's not even like most of it. So, let's move on to the section. I kind of want to walk through this passage because we hear this answer to prayer. This wonderful miracle of God. Rebecca is pregnant and she's going to give birth. And isn't this exciting? Isn't this just sunshine and roses and wet kitten noses? Everything is wonderful, right? But it's not. In the midst of the hope and the longing and knowing that God's promised, Rebecca has a really painful pregnancy. Um, it says that the, the children were jostling in her womb. They were fighting inside her. And I don't think this was just a little kick. This was pain. So much pain that Rebecca says, and my, my translation here says it, if this is to be this way, why do I live? Kind of the literal translation is, if it is this way, why am I? Why am I? She is at a loss. And so she goes to God and says, what are you doing? This is your promise. This is your hope. If this is what you have for me, how come it hurts so much? And she hears this prophecy about not even the children in her womb, about the nations that will come from her womb. Israel and the Edomites, how they will struggle together and the younger will be dominant and rule over the, the older, that the one that looks weaker will be stronger and great. This is the promise of God. Oh, I'm so glad I went and, went and asked God about this because now I feel great that my kids and their descendants will be fighting for a long time and one of my kids kids is going to constantly dominate the other kids kids this is not a word of comfort At least i wouldn't find it that way would you find this as a word of comfort but it does explain something the, the pain that she felt was not just this physical ache of of like kids fighting in the womb it was significant of what was going to happen that this was God's story that he was writing and she did not know all the details 
but she would have a house full of tension, a house divided. Jesus said in another another context, the house divided against itself cannot stand. And we have something perilously close to this when we see this story unfold. As they grow, they will fight. They will trick one another. They'll make all kinds of mess. I think that part of what I learned from Rebecca's part of this story is it really hurts when you see that kind of angst and fight with those who are part of God's family. So I'll say more about that in a little bit. When it was time for her to give birth, she had her twins. And they were born so close together that one was literally holding on to the other by the heel. And we, we get these wonderful descriptions which tell us a little bit about their names. Um, we're told that Esau was all red and his, was, had like a hairy coat, very hairy little animal. And, and then we're told that Jacob was holding on for dear life, grabbing the heel. So we're, we're given this thing, we're saying that he, Esau is called Esau because he was red and hairy. Now, we, if you look at this, we don't actually know where the name Esau comes from. It may sound like Sayir, which is the region where... Esau's descendants would live and it actually means hairy um, the other side of that is is Edom means red so Esau red hairy beast and he's named for those kind of physical characteristics that he has Jacob on the other hand is not named by what he looked like he's named for what he does now, the name Jacob probably is a shortened version of Yaakobel, which means God is our protector, our rear guard. But he gets that name not because of what it means, but because of what it sounds like. Akob is the Hebrew word for heel. So Jacob comes to mean heel grabber, and kind of in Hebrew idiom means somebody who's deceiving, somebody who's a liar. Um, it's sort of like, if you think of it this way, if you named your kid Judah or Judas, uh, it comes from the Hebrew Judah, but everyone would just think he's a betrayer. Or if you named your kid, if you're in the U.S. and you named your kid Adolf, at some point one of their friends is going to draw a Hitler mustache on him and post it on Facebook. Um, the name means noble wolf, but nobody will think of that. They'll think, but that's what the name comes to mean. And we, we hear this of them as they grow. We see a little more of their character. We, Esau, um, is said, is a one who's skillful in hunting, a man of the open field. And Jacob 
um, the, I think the Pew Bible says content with living in tents, and what Patrick Red says, he's a quiet man dwelling among the tents. That phrase is a little hard to understand because it sounds like saying that Jacob is an upright guy, he's quiet and he's content. And as we look at that, it's kind of ironic when you think of who Jacob is. He's not quiet. He's certainly not content. He's somebody who's struggling and fighting for everything. So we have this ironic name, and then you have like the hairy beast of a man, Esau, who likes to hunt, likes mixed martial arts, listens to Mark Driscoll podcasts. He's an animal. <laughs> and, and you have this, and they're fighting. That there's, they're born close together. They've got, you know, probably the regular sibling rivalry thing happening. And then you have the way that the parents favor one or the other kind of feeding into that rivalry. You know, um, Sarah and I have this running joke. I always, I always say which kid of mine is my favorite. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Ember has the advantage because she's been my favorite the longest. But usually it's somebody does something or says something and, and I say, well, that's why she's our favorite. Um, and it's, and we don't say this to the kids, we just say it to each other, but just be clear on that. But the way that, that Isaac and Rebecca parent their kids really kind of feeds into this. We're told that Isaac loved Esau because, and it's literally, it's because of the game meat in his mouth. Um, so it's either Isaac's mouth because Esau fed him or like animal man was bringing food in his mouth for Isaac. Like it's kind of this, that's the image. It's really kind of interesting. Um, and then we're told that Rebecca loved Jacob. I mean, it doesn't say that Isaac didn't love Jacob or Rebecca didn't love Esau, but clearly this was felt. They had favorites, and they played it, and it fed this rivalry. And so, one day, probably weren't at home. Doesn't give us the scene in the Bible, but I, I would, you know, scholars kind of guess that maybe Jacob had the flocks out somewhere far from home where he's making stew. He might have had servants with him. And Esau is out hunting and not having a lot of luck that day. And he starts smelling this stew that Jacob is boiling. And he comes on Jacob and says, give me some of this red, red stuff. Uh, literally, the Hebrew, it's, I love this. This is why it says his name is Edom, because the word for red is Adam in, in Hebrew. And it actually says, from, give me some food to eat from this red, red. 
That's all it says. Min haadam haradam hazay. This red, red. And and Jacob, who was the quiet man, seizes an opportunity. He says, "Sell me your birthright right now." A birthright in kind of that culture in the ancient Near East was the right of the older son. Um, basically, what it meant was you got double what every other kid got materially. So, in terms of Jacob, born literally seconds after Esau, he would get half the inheritance. But it didn't just mean materially. The older son was traditionally the one that carried on the family name, um, the one that kind of upheld the family traditions. And in terms of the Jacob and Esau story, the one who had the birthright was the one who the promise of God fell on to be a great nation, to become all that God had for them. Jacob is calculating here. He knows what he's doing. Esau is tired. And he's hungry. And he's thirsty. And he just wants something to eat. Sell me your birthright, and I'll give you something to eat. You like this? You like it red? I got some red stew right here. And Esau says, and this might be a little hyperbolic. I don't think Esau was dying. He says, what good is a birthright to me? I'm going to die. Give me some soup. Essentially, I like to think of it this way, is that like, these conversations never happen quite this way, but I think like, God came to Abraham and said, you know, I've promised you a son. Go ahead and shepherd a child, this child's heart. And he says to Isaac, you know, you are the child of promise. Go grow kids God's way. Great. And then it comes to Esau, and Esau says, Focus on the family? Why would I do that when I can have a bowl of soup? And that's where we are. Is Esau doesn't care for the tradition that, of the family, but really, he's kind of devaluing the fact that God had promised something to Abraham and to his father and to his family that this would come to fruition and he just lets it slide and says what use of that is to me give me some soup and then he takes what, he, what Jacob gives him and says this, these are like fast he ate, he drank, he got up and left in this way, Esau despised his birthright and despised, despised 
devalued, didn't care for it. Um, I'm sure he had some, some buyer's regret when he found out all he got was like a lentil stew. But that's what it is. I, I think later he probably said to himself, I, said, I hate Jacob most of all with his wee beady eyes. Because he puts a secret chemical in his red lentil stew that makes me crave it for nightlife. But that's what happened. He gave it up for a bowl of soup. Now, what are the implications of this story for us? I want to draw out four based on actually the people in the story. We have Isaac, the tenacious prayer, who says, I'm going to hold on to the promise of God for my life for 20 years, if that's what it takes. I'm going to keep on praying, and God will deliver. I trust that he will. That, that is something we, we should be called to in whatever area that we need to be trusting that God holds our future and knowing that our God is faithful, our God is good, and he has good things in store for us. And I think of Rebecca in pain, maybe a little angst about what is going on as she's pregnant with these two twins fighting and she's hurting because her children are hurting one another. I think we need to be the type of people that feel the pain of, of that. Feel the pain of broken relationships. And Esau, Esau's picked up in the New Testament, and we are warned to be not like him. I'm going to read this from Hebrews. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. See to it that no one becomes like Esau, an immoral and godless person who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, even though he sought of the blessing with tears. That's not a good place to be. Esau was a man ruled by his appetites. He did not hold on for the promise of God's tomorrow. He did not hold on for something better. What we need to be is people, and sure, who like a bowl of soup now and then, that's okay, but are trusting that God holds our tomorrow, that God holds our future, and not somebody that's just seeking to feed every appetite we have, but trust that God has something good for us. But lastly, I mean, we learn from Jacob. 
Jacob is not a nice man. Jacob tricks his brother, fools his brother. It will get worse from here. Um, just in case you're wondering, he doesn't get away with anything. He'll, he'll reap the whirlwind for what he did to his brother. And it is actually not real clear that he ever gets the material inheritance or, you know, anything from his father um, because he has to run from his brother and he leaves. And by the time he's reconciled to his brother, he's not asking for anything. But what he does here is despicable. And yet, God is gracious and he will take even the missteps of Jacob to build Jacob into who he's making him to be. I think this is, this is what I love about the Jacob story. Is that, you know, when we, when we read about Abraham, he's the person of faith. You know, Paul will pick up on him in Romans and say, you know, this is our example. Have faith. Like Abraham who left his household. And we read about Isaac and we see this example of this prayer. This one that would intercede for for God's best for, for his wife and for the future. And then we get to Jacob and he's a screw up. He's an example of God's grace. There is nothing about Jacob that tells us why God chose Jacob. We know why he didn't choose Esau. We don't know why God chose Jacob. And that is good news. Because if I know that the places that I've screwed up in my life, that somehow God will take all that I've done, every time I've failed to accomplish something, every time I've sinned or just screwed up, and he'll just compost that and use that to grow something beautiful, that is good news. That there's no steps or missteps or anything that I can do to mess up what God has for us. So hear this. That what God has for us as his, his children, as, as members of his family, is so good. Doesn't mean you should continue to mess with people and manipulate things. But it does mean that when God brings you around... All of that will be transformed. So let me say a prayer for us and then invite Chris up to. God, thank you for your goodness. That you are faithful to your promise to us. That you are faithful to do all that you've set out to do in our lives. Pray, Lord that we would hang on to your promise and trust in all the good things that you have in store for us. In your name I pray. Amen.